I love it. Our kids are dismissed to their classes. Josiah reminds me every week. He's like, again? He loves that video. That's his favorite video ever. Praise the Lord. But we are in a series. We are in a series called Kingdom Critical. Kingdom Critical. And that video is a reminder for us of what it is that we should be concerned with, especially in this season. And so this morning, we have the privilege of having a good, good friend of mine, one of my mentors, one of the people that I love to hear speak. And I know you enjoy him. Uh, I always get good feedback from you. And so I'm going to ask you to put your hands together for Pastor Dan Holland as he comes and shares God's word today. Good morning, Core Faith. It is so good to see you. We are in a series uh, for the parables. Um, Bishop has given me two verses. He said, that's plenty. So welcome. Uh, Today we're in Matthew chapter 13. So open your Bibles to Matthew 13. Also open to the book of Ephesians. We're going to be in Ephesians chapter 1 and Ephesians chapter 5 as we go through uh, our message today. And that includes all of you online. Grab a pen. And uh, open your Bible, and let's get to it. The parables of Jesus, as you guys know, are some of the best-known stories in all the world, even for people who aren't that familiar with the Bible. Jesus never explained most of his parables, though. Did you realize that? Of 55 parables, he doesn't explain most of them. The goal of Jesus was to make us think in new ways and to understand God's purposes. So... That's the goal, and I hope that today as we read from the Scripture that this will cause you to think. It's helpful, though, if you'll take a pen or a pencil uh, or type on your phone. If you text on your phone, it's a sin during this time. But if you're typing (laughs) and taking sermon notes on your phone, then that's fine. Matthew chapter 13, verse 45. Again... The kingdom of heaven is like a merchant looking for fine pearls. When he found one of great value, he went away and sold everything he had, and he bought it. Jesus tells us about a jewel merchant here who was on the hunt for valuable pearls. And when he found that one that was flawless, he sold everything that he had to buy it. Now imagine that. Finding something so perfect that it is worth everything you have to buy it. So here's my question. What had so much value that it was worth everything? What was Jesus' point? What was so valuable that it was worth everything? Now, to help us answer that question, I'm going to give you a little bit of context. Uh, In Matthew chapter 11 and 12, Matthew describes this very rough reception that Jesus is receiving from the people around him. And he's being questioned and he is being opposed by what is called this generation. He was opposed literally at every turn. 
And if I had time, I could just walk you through Matthew chapter 11 and 12. However, the opposition was not a problem because it was actually seen as a fulfillment of of Jesus being Isaiah's suffering servant. And if you'd like to, you can go back to Isaiah chapter 42 at some point, verses 1 through 4, and you can read about that. But the opposition was predicted. That's the backdrop. In this, that climate of incessant questioning about everything and the opposition, there is this, there is this, we come to chapter 13 and there are seven parables there. These parables are all designed and captured and packaged in a way to instruct the disciples about the mixed response to the kingdom of God. He's making it clear that there would be some people who would take truth and reject it, while there would be people who would hear the truth and accept it. But there would always be, Jesus is making clear to them, a choice to be made and a price to be paid for what is valuable. When you experience opposition, isn't it just... Doesn't it just sometimes cause you to question whether or not you really believe what it is you believe? Doesn't it seem that opposition to truth has intensified in our culture? Now, we've not reached the proportion of Noah. There's more than just our family. But doesn't it feel that way? But opposition to truth should be expected. We ask, is it worth the price? You see, The greatest threat facing our homes, as it turns out, is not the film industry or feminism or militant homosexuality or any other area of declining morality in America. It's not even conservatism or liberalism or socialism. It isn't the 24-hour news cycle and the incessant social media. Am I concerned about these things? Yes. But those threats pale in comparison to this. I believe that the greatest threat facing our homes is to have a religious practice that is inspired by tradition rather than by a deeply rooted sense of having been called by God to be the church. The greatest threat is to have what the Bible calls a form of godliness, but denying its power. Now, this is a good place for us to talk about the armor of God and spiritual warfare, but that's another message, right, Bishop? (laughs) Knowing that opposition would be expected by Christ followers, Jesus said, again, look at Matthew 13, Again, the kingdom of heaven is like a merchant who's looking for fine pearls. And when he found one of great value, he went away and he sold everything he had to buy that one pearl. Again, I ask you the question, what is so valuable that it is worth everything? Can you even think of anything in the world that would be worth everything you own? Even if if you think, well, you don't own much. Everything. What is so valuable that it is worth everything for Jesus? The answer would be this. The church. The church of which he is the head. 
want you to think about it. Why did Jesus come into the world? Jesus came into the world, how did Luke say it? To, the Son of Man came to seek and to save what was lost. So Jesus came into this world. His intent was to seek and to save what was lost and seeing the church as God saw it. So when Jesus had a view of history from the beginning of time already complete, he understood God's intent. And, the, and, and I don't have time to get all into the mystery of God's intent, but the solution for mankind is a focus on being the church. Because in the church, we come in here of all different races. We come in with all different languages. We come with all sorts of baggage. And in the church, we are made one body, one new man, one temple in which God lives through His Holy Spirit. So for for Christ... The one thing that was worth everything was the church. Jesus came into the world, and I think with this in mind, I think that Paul may have had this very parable in mind whenever he wrote Ephesians chapter 5, verse 25. You know this is a passage where we talk about marriage, but he's actually, I'm going to start right in the middle of verse 25. Paul wrote this. Just as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her to make her holy, cleansing her by the washing with water through the word and to present her to himself as a radiant church without stain or wrinkle or any other blemish, but holy and blameless. Now, what does what, is, what Paul does in this letter to the Ephesians is, he is he's encouraging them all throughout and us to understand who we are and what we have in Christ and how that in turn impacts and changes the way we live. Let me explain. In the first three chapters of Ephesians, Paul described the blessings that we have in Christ. And in doing so, I believe he was describing the various facets of the pearl the pearl, which was more valuable than anything else. but and, and what makes it so valuable? Well, Paul is describing this. In fact, he was so excited about writing this when he started talking about the blessings that Christ followers have in Christ that he didn't stop talking to take a breath. Literally, you can't see this in the English uh, translation, but in the original translations from Ephesians chapter 1, verse 3, All the way through verse 14, in the original Greek is only one long sentence, 202 words of unbroken thought and no period. As you listen to Paul's words in these 12 verses, I want you to try to imagine what it sounds like to listen to a teenage girl talk to her best friend about her brand new iPhone. No breath is needed, no air required. No, no periods, all exclamation marks about, can you hear the giddiness and the nonstop chapter, ch- chatter about, oh, look at what I got, look what I got, just God is good. And so, but that's, that's the sort of tone I want you to, to embrace in this passage. Paul is literally so enthusiastic in laying out our spiritual blessings that he barely comes up for air, but he's so fired up. Why? Because he has found the pearl, and he understands God's ultimate plan for the church. With that in mind, I want to read from Ephesians chapter 1, verse 3, all the way through verse 14. I am going to take a breath as I read this. Is that all right? 
Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in the heavenly realms with every spiritual blessing in Christ. For he chose us in him before the creation of the world to be holy and blameless in his sight, and in love he predestined us for the adoption to sonship through Jesus Christ in accordance with his pleasure and will, to the praise of his glorious grace, which he has freely given us in the one he loves. In him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins, in accordance with the riches of God's grace that he lavished on us. With all wisdom and understanding, he made known to us the mystery of his will according to his good pleasure, which he purposed in Christ, to be put into effect when the times reached their fulfillment, to bring unity to all things in heaven and on earth under Christ. In him we were also chosen, having been predestined according to the plan of him who works out everything in conformity with the purpose of his will, in order that we, who were the first to put our hope in Christ, might be for the praise of his glory. And you also were included in Christ when you heard the message of truth, the gospel of your salvation. When you believed, you were marked in him with a seal, the promised Holy Spirit, who is a deposit guaranteeing our inheritance until the redemption of those who are God's possession to the praise of his glory. Amen. I want you to notice what the passage doesn't say. God has blessed us with every physical blessing in Christ. Right? Now, why is that important? Because we like physical blessings, material blessings, and God is trying to give us something that is so much better, but we miss it because we're fixed on the here and now instead of the prize that is ahead. We think that that car or truck or promotion or kids or girlfriend or boyfriend, etc., is going to, is so valuable and worth everything. So many people are searching, though, in the wrong places, seeking fulfillment from wealth and pleasure, power, fame, I mean, you name it, but those things pale in comparison to the spiritual blessings that we have in Christ. The best evidence of God's blessing is not, as it turns out, what is seen, but what is unseen. That's where Paul directs our attention in those passages. But what is the kingdom of heaven? Well, the kingdom of heaven, that phrase, simply means the rule of God. And sometimes we say that we're looking for God's rule in our lives, and we want that when really we're looking for it in all the wrong places. Does anyone in here have the same problem that I have where you go to look for something and it's, it's right where it should be, but you can't see it? I've had that problem forever. Sometimes I'm looking for something and it's, it's literally right in front of me, but I can't see it, particularly when it comes to things in the refrigerator. And I don't know how this happens, but I can look in the refrigerator for something specific, can't find it, it's not there, and finally Beth, she's here with me as a witness. <laughs> finally Beth will come by and she'll say, what are you looking for? I tell her and she reaches in and she, and she pulls it out. It's, it's one of her superpowers. <laughs> I recently got a text from Beth, it's a few weeks back. She said, hey, um, I'm going to head over to New Smyrna Beach in about 10 minutes to take a walk. 
there are leftovers in the fridge for dinner. I've left a note where they are. In other words, to help you identify the correct containers, because I know what it's like when you open the fridge. It's a vast wasteland. You would literally think that telling me the food is in the fridge would be enough. Nope. It's not enough. Brothers, is it enough? No. Sometimes what we're looking for is right in front of us, and we just can't see it. I think that's the way it is in life. Everything we're looking for, it's right in front of us. It's in Jesus. He says we've been given every spiritual blessing. Our problem is we're missing what he's offering because something else is in our mind that we think we want. He's saying this is the most valuable thing and it is worth everything. We say, but I want this other lesser pearl. And instead of taking God upon the spiritual blessing that he's providing, we keep looking for a physical blessing. So what are some of the spiritual blessings to be enjoyed for those who are in Christ? Uh, I'm going to list some of them, and we're going to put them up on the screen. I encourage you to write them down. We're going to, um, we're not going to, they're all taken from the passage that we were just in. You're going to need to write fast if you're going to do this. Because I have, I've got, you didn't know it could take so long to talk about two verses, but I've got some more to say. Number one, I've been chosen. Number two, I've been adopted. Number three, I've been accepted. I'm accepted by God. Number four, I've been redeemed. Number five, when I'm in Christ, I've been forgiven. I don't need to live in shame and regret. I don't don't need to be embarrassed in front of God. He knows at all. And then I've been enlightened. When we know the truth of the scripture and we know Christ, we see and understand things that we cannot on our own. I've been enlightened. And then I have been enriched, he says, in every way. You're not poor. You may not be able to afford everything you can think of, but you've been enriched. And then I've been sealed by and have the Holy Spirit living in me. And I may have put two of those up there. I've been sealed, and then I have the, I have the Holy Spirit living in me. And then finally, when I'm in Christ, I have hope. And not only do I have hope in this life, I have hope beyond this life. You see, the heavenly blessings that Paul speaks of are available to every single human being. Can the same be said of many of physical uh, life's physical blessings? I mean, at least those that we think of uh, as, as physical blessings? Absolutely not. For instance, I would consider myself really blessed if I could take a vacation in the Caribbean on a yacht. How about you? Anybody else want to go along? I mean, not. we're not going to go together because I don't like you that much. I mean, we need to be <laughs> We're going to be in heaven together, but you're going to go by your own self. You know what I mean? But what, doesn't that sound good? You can, you can just, now, but that sounds, like a, that sounds like a blessing. But that's not going to happen, at least not for me. Why? Because yacht companies only favor those who can actually pay for the yacht. 
Now, if there's anything that convinces me that we are favored by God, it is this. Listen carefully. God has made every single spiritual blessing available to us despite the fact that we don't have the means to pay for it. Yet God invites us to enjoy them anyway. Do you know what that's called? It's called grace. But listen, it costs Jesus everything. In the parable, the man gave all he had. And I don't think there's any greater commentary on that one phrase than 2 Corinthians 5.21. He who knew no sin became sin or was made sin for us. He gave it all. He paid for the yacht. And we get to enjoy being in Christ. It cost him literally everything to purchase the church. The problem is that we have sinned, though, and we've fallen short of the glory of God. We need forgiveness. We can't barge in and say, I'm something. God is lucky to have me on the team. We are, whoo, look at me. I am, and I'm important over there and over here. The problem is, though, I need forgiveness, and God had a solution for that, too. John chapter 3, verse 16 for, says this, For God so loved the world that, that God gave his only Son, his only begotten son, that whoever believes in him would not perish but would have everlasting life. Do you know verse 17? For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world would be saved through him. We get a glimpse of the value of the pearl whenever we understand the price that was paid. While God has made every spiritual blessing available to every single person, not every single person is going to receive those blessings because those blessings are in Christ. In Matthew chapter 12, if you'll turn over there, or rather, rather Matthew chapter 16, there's a passage I want to read to you about the cost. Matthew chapter 16, verse 24 and 25. We'll just read a couple of verses. Matthew 16, 24, then Jesus said to his disciples, whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves and take up their cross and follow me. For whoever wants to save their life will lose it, but whoever loses their life for me will find it. We can stop there and you can read a little more later. The price is so steep if we want to be in Christ. But here's the thing. Even a price that is that great of giving our all, all we have to offer, isn't viewed as a sacrifice by those who understand the value. The value of being in Christ. Discovery of the kingdom of heaven brings immediate joy. And we have many concrete biblical examples of this that illustrate the parable of great price. I'm going to mention some of these. I don't have time to preach on them, although I want to, each one.
But I think about people like the Ethiopian eunuch who were searching for something more than what they had, and he found it. I think about Cornelius, who had an important position and had it made on the earth, but he was searching. I think about Lydia, the seller of purple. She was searching, and she found the the thing that was so valuable, it was worth everything. I think about the Philippian jailer who was seeking, and when he was scared to death by the power of God, but he was seeking, and he was humble enough to ask, "What, what do I do? I was thinking about the Bereans. The list could go on and on, but the Bereans who were more faithful because they searched the Scriptures to see if what was being taught was true. Not everybody who has a Bible will tell you the truth. Search it. Search what I'm telling you. But if it's right, own it. Live it. If it's wrong, reject it. Years ago, I had a letter from a pastor friend about the time that he was uh, doing, he did mission work in Russia for, I don't know, 10 or 15 years. But he said, hey, I'd been studying with this guy named Yuri, who was one of his translators. And when we were over preaching in, in Russia, Kazakhstan, different places, we, we would need to hire translators. Not all were followers of Jesus Christ, but they would translate the, the word of God and the truth. And he said Yuri was um, translating many of the Bible studies that he had throughout the week. And then um, one uh, particular Sunday morning, he said he was preaching just the pure gospel of Jesus Christ. He was explaining the death of Christ and the necessity of coming to faith and the knowledge of Jesus and, and said that right in the middle of it, he, he says, he's preaching, he said, and, and we need to make a decision right now, whenever you see something this valuable, this important, you need right now, you need to obey the gospel. Well, Yuri stood up in the middle of 60 people, maybe a room about this size, and Yuri said, um, okay, let's go. Only he said it in Russian. You understand. He said, okay, let's go. I said, excuse me? He goes, yeah. He, he, he asked. It shocked him, and he said, well, who do you say Jesus is? He said, I say Jesus is the Son of God. He is Lord. Let's go. I'm ready to be baptized. I want to be a Christian. And so my friend shared the story with me, and he said, that never happened before in the middle of a sermon, so you know what you do when that happens? You go baptize the fella whenever that happens. And, and he said they took him out to a pool and they baptized him. You see, what each one of these people that I've been mentioning to you discovered is that Jesus is all we need to fulfill our souls. I don't have to have Jesus and anything else. Brother, it's what you were talking about when you stood up here giving God praise. He's it. He's all I need. In Jesus, in Christ, is every spiritual blessing. If you want those things, you can have them in Christ. So why don't more of us have them? I think maybe because sometimes we're looking in the wrong place. I think sometimes it's right in front of us, but we're missing it. Scripture teaches us to make the most of every opportunity. I want to, as I bring this message to a close, we have an opportunity, I believe, right now. When we find the kingdom of heaven, we realize that it is what we have been searching for 
all along. Or maybe today you've just been reminded, oh yes, I had forgotten how valuable and precious it is to be in Christ. You see, the merchant recognized instantly the value of the one pearl because he had measured the value of so many lesser pearls. How many of us can't say we've been on another search and we have collected so many valuable things in our life only to realize all of them together don't even pay the price of the most valuable pearl. He knew what he it was whenever he saw it, this merchant, I can nearly hear him whisper, this is it. This is it. I've been lucky. I found it. But are you willing to sell everything in exchange for that pearl? Scripture declares in Jeremiah, you will seek me and find me when you seek me with all your heart. It's your choice. Whatever choices you've made in your life leading up to this point today, you have an opportunity to start over. This is so good to begin again. And maybe it's for the 100th time. Maybe, maybe it's for the very first time. But today you can start over and say, I'm going to choose the group of people that I'm going to surround myself with, and I'm going to choose the people that I will not be around. I'm going to choose what I'm going to read, and I'm going to choose what I'm I'm not going to read anymore. I'm going to choose what I'm going to listen to. And I'm going to make a choice what I'm not going to listen to. Today's an opportunity to choose what it is you watch and choose what, it, what you will not watch. Let me ask you, are you living like a merchant who has found the most valuable thing on earth that is worth giving your life to? I'm so thankful that Jesus purchased the church, and I'm grateful that he has made a way for us to experience all the spiritual blessings that are in Christ. But here's the questions that flood my mind. Am I living like it? Am I living for him or am I living for me? Do I realize what I have in Christ? Do I understand what's already been done for me? What's already been given to me Am I whining about what I don't have? Or am I praising God for what I do have in Him? Do I understand the value 
of the pearl. Let's pray. Oh God, we are blown away whenever we hear Jesus speak so simply two verses. And his call was that he's going, he is the merchant and the pearl is the church. But he's calling us to that level of commitment. And you've called us, Father, to live for you, to walk with you daily, but not in a way that's trying to earn our way with you, but in a way that's a response to what you've already given us in Christ. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, Father, for the preciousness of each man, woman, and child who is in this room and those who are even watching online. Father, I pray you will fill us with your Holy Spirit. I pray that the, the spiritual blessings that we have, we have talked about and been reminded of today will remind us of the value of what you have given us. Father, I pray that you will help us to focus on Christ. It's in the name of Jesus that I pray. Amen.